It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Block Talk Radio. Uh, I'm good. I'm good. So, 
almost 20 years in the referee business. What what uh, what about a wrestling a pro wrestling re- referee sparked your interest? How did you get started in the business? I actually wanted to be in Kiss, believe it or not. But, okay. But that wasn't going to happen. You know, I uh, just wanted to just be a part of the excitement and in, in, in the whole spectacle of what is wrestling. You know, because to me, it's always been entertainment. And I think a rock show, especially a Kiss show and a wrestling show, were very, very uh, one and the same. You know, you got the pyrotechs, you got the music. You have all that and everything. So that's always excited me. And even to this day, it excites me, you know, to go to a show because I don't want to see some guy get up there with a guitar or a, a flannel shirt and perform. I want to be entertained. And I think that's what wrestling does. But to answer the question, I got started because my little brothers used to watch wrestling and I used to take care of them when mom and dad worked. So that's the end of it early in the 80s. Wow, stop. So, yeah, that's how I really got into it. Nice, nice. So what were just different wrestlers and entertainers? I think you brought a really good point about just the entertainment factor, which is something that is missing so much but is very, very profound in Lucha Underground. Uh, But as far as just wrestling, a a lot of wrestling, a lot of mainstream wrestling, uh, there's something that uh, we're missing. What what, uh, names, when you start watching wrestling, was – uh, very high on the entertainment scale for you. Rick Flair. Of course. The Nature you know, Boy. Rick Flair, the Nature Boy was right there because, I mean, with the robes, with the, you know, the, the, the promos and just everything about his aura, man, it was like you were entertained. I mean, you know, once he started his promos, you, you were there. Yeah. And, and, you, and you couldn't help. And you couldn't help not turning away. I mean, you know, because you couldn't because he had you mesmerized. Yeah, absolutely. Style and profiling. Absolutely. Amen. <laughs> uh, kiss stealing, wheeling, dealing. <laughs> the, the limousine ride, Jack flying, son of a gun. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, Space Mountain. There Space you go. Mountain, there baby. you go. Uh, oldest ride, longest uh, line. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so so what feuds uh, do you remember of, uh, of Ric Flair that was uh, very pivotal in your, in your wrestling uh, career as a viewer? Steamboat. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, you know that was the one that just really captivated, you know, and just grabbed me. I mean, you know, because he had some other great feuds with a lot of different people, but the, the Steamboat stuff. And you know, what was cool was working with him and Steamboat in WWE. They would tell me time and time again they had matches that were better than the stuff that people have seen. You know, and, and me, I, I would just sit there in awe and listen to the stories. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's absolutely amazing. So you started in toward the uh, later '90s, right? Was it '97, '98 that you started as a as a referee? Yeah, I actually started training around '94ish, uh-huh. late '95ish. Mm-hmm. Of course, I was working at the time, had a daughter to raise, married and stuff, which I still am. But I, I really didn't get serious about it until around '96, '97. Okay. And what was the first match you remember refing? First match I ever did was in Parker, Arizona. It was uh God, Smooth Billy D versus Big Q. Okay. Nice. What promotion was that? Uh Empire Wrestling Federation. Okay. Yeah. Hernandez and Bill, Bill Anderson at the time. Yeah, yeah, Empire. Yeah, I'm familiar with Empire. Yeah. 
Yeah. So how yeah. so how did that give you like how did that get you ascended as far as just the the mainstream uh, television? How how was you uh, scouted? Uh, I mean, I, you know, and and it goes back to I guess a, I guess a bigger question: How does a referee get promoted? What are what are different cadences? What are different things that a referee needs to do to be scouted by someone to say we want you? Now, of course, we all uh, many people know the tricks of the trade as far as the referee does more than just you know, count, uh, you know, potentially count out or count to three. There's, there's some, there's some behind the scenes things and there's some, uh, breaking that kind of, kind of behind the veil things that a lot of us know about. Uh, but what is it about the referee that, that promotes them or, or gets scouted by someone, uh, in mainstream television? No one had to work. Hmm. You know, that, that's one of the things, you know, that I always prided myself on is knowing how to work. And, you know, just like you said, I mean, for me, I think most people perceive a referee as a, some guy they put in a striped shirt and counts one, two, three. And like you said, I mean, it's a lot more detailed than that. Yeah. And that's the stigma, you know, unfortunately that referees have, you know, that, well, you know, he's just a referee. No, we're not referees. We're, we're more than that. And just knowing how to work you know, with different styles, you know, like I've worked Japan, I've worked Mexico, I've worked WWE, I've worked independence and just knowing styles and knowing how to work, knowing how to work with the heel, knowing how to work with the baby face. And for me personally, it, it was about that squeaky wheel. You know, I probably wasn't as good as I thought I was, but I, I, I never stopped calling people. I never stopped promoting myself. I was my own promoter and I went out there and I busted my ass and I, can I say that? I went out there and I busted my ass. You're your butt, but it's cool. <laughs> yeah. So I went out there and I did it because nobody else was going to do it for me. Mm-hmm. Although I did work for different promotions and such, I went out there and I sent VHS tapes. I would call people. I would email. And, you know, the squeaky wheel always gets heard first. And yeah. that's pretty much what I did. And I went out there. And now nowadays it's changed. You know, I, I, I see – wrestlers or guys who want to be wrestlers and they don't have it and unfortunately some some people turn around and go well you know you'll make a a good referee so they'll put somebody in there whose goal is to be a wrestler but his heart isn't into being a referee well me personally my heart is in the referee to me i'm the greatest referee there's that ever lived and and that's stretching it but but that's just the way I feel. Yeah, yeah. There's, yeah. That's a lot of confidence. I mean, you have. Here's the thing, Marty, and you know this. You know, being in the business for for 20 years, you have to have that confidence in whatever position you have. First of all, being in the professional wrestling industry, you know, is a is an anomaly in and of itself, as you very know, as you very well know, and whatever. Your whatever thing and whatever position you fulfill in the wrestling industry, whether it's a cameraman, whether it's a ring crew, whether it's a referee, whether it's an announcer, you have to have the confidence that's needed to be able to be the best of where you're at. And I, and I totally agree with you mm-hmm. as as far as that. Now, you know, there's been legends uh, like like Teddy Long and uh, you know uh, uh, Danny Davis, yep. uh, Jim White. Yeah, Jim White. Yeah, Tim White. Um, who who are some who are some people that uh, you remember watching or that that you kind of uh, grab some some pointers for uh, 
pursuing your career as a referee and even still now? Three guys that I just absolutely, or actually four guys that I just absolutely adored and still like take away from them. See, because here's the thing, just as, as wrestlers, there's certain guys that they love and they emulate and imitate and everything. You, you take stuff away from certain people and you make it your own. And that's yeah. what I tell guys all the time. So for me, it was Tommy Young, Tim White, yeah. Mike Chioda, and Jimmy Corderas. Yeah, those are those are great, good, good, four really good ones, and especially Tommy White back in the NWA days. He's a, he's legendary. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, and and, and Charles Robinson to this day has still a lot of Tommy's traits. Yeah. Because Charles loved, and you know, there's some of the things you know that I see Charles do, and I go, well, okay, yeah. And, and I I still pick up, and I still learn from watching Charles, or even watching Chad Pat, and even Jack Dillon when I was there. Jack Dillon took me under his wing at WWE and says, hey, you know, this is how we do it here. Like, oh, okay. So, you know, it was one of those things, figuring it out. Yeah, Tommy White was, uh, man, he was the king of knowing how to sell that dusty finish. He he was he was the man in knowing how to do that. And a lot of people criticize the dusty finish now. Of course, if people don't know who the, what the dusty finish is, uh, you, you, you may, you may, you know, as, as a, as a journalist and as a fan, I know what it is, but as a ref who actually have been part of having to do the quote unquote dusty finish, I think maybe you can explain it to the viewers more than I can. What, what is a dusty finish and tell of Marty from a referee standpoint? A dusty finish mm-hmm. from a referee standpoint is doing your job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that and that job, of course, you know, is uh, kind of kind of faking the. Uh, you know, you can you can come in as whenever you want. Usually, usually the dusty finish means that uh, a, a ref there, there's there's a there's a count. A referee misses it or gets knocked out, and you know, um, or, or or there's 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 a three count and there's basically a wind gets yanked somehow, and the referee is involved in that. Um, is, is, yeah, you know, and 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 with the dusty finish, it, it's all about timing. It's all about right. You know, uh, knowing where you need to be. You know, your count and stuff. You know, so of course, you know, but I've been involved with many of the dusty finishes, and you know, they're they're all unique to to what they are in storyline wise. Exactly. But but for me personally it was always about timing and always about being in the right place at the right time and selling it, you know, with your facials or just whatever or getting knocked out or, or whatever the case was, you know, but it, it's always about selling it. It's always about being at the right place at the right time and exactly. timing. Absolutely. Yeah. Is there one or two that you can remember vividly? For me personally? Mm-hmm. Oh God! Now the the, the now the, I mean to be honest, it, nothing stands out right right now. I mean I haven't had my coffee, so I'm still trying to <laughs> there wake <you> up. <laughs> yeah. But no, unfortunately, no, it doesn't. Yeah. Sorry. Oh no, no, it's okay. Now let's get into before we get into your career in WWE. Let's just get into matches. Period. What are what are some of the matches that you can just remember? Kind of being a fan because I know that you. As a referee, you're you're just honed and locked in on your job and making sure that it's, uh, like you said, timing is everything and just that it's excellently done. But how is it as a referee just from a fan standpoint? Because when you see good matches, especially when you're participating in a good match, say like a, a Undertaker-Michaels WrestleMania match, 
you know, it's it's one of those things that it's amazing to be a ref and it's amazing to just witness and be in the same ring, you know, and like, you know, when Charles Robinson was uh I think it was Charles Robinson, it may have been I think it was Kyoto. I think it was Kyoto that was in the match between Brock Lesnar and uh the Big Show when the ring collapsed. That was Kyoto, right? I believe he was in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. So SmackDown. Uh, there was a SmackDown. Yeah, SmackDown. Yep. So Kyoto was there, and you know, just being a part, and just the, the 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 rush and the energy of the crowd. How is that being a ref and a fan within a match? Uh, just just that energy and the rush. How important is the crowd during a match? Crowd is very important, you know, because crowd can dictate wh- where the match is going to go. You know, because a lot of the old school guys, you know, they'd call in the ring. Yeah. More times than not, you know, like like they would have a finish, and everything else was just about feel, mm-hmm. you know. And the audience, and it's funny because referees, for me personally, I'm able to gauge a crowd. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I'm a curtain jerker or a main event or whatever, I'm still able to gauge a crowd. But one of the most important things that Shawn Michaels taught me as a referee is, is to know the audience because – if you have somebody sitting in the front row and they're sitting back in their chair leaning, mm-hmm. that means you don't have them. Mm-hmm. But if they're leaning forward and they're really look, looking at it, that means you got them. So it's always awesome to sit and look at a crowd to see how people are sitting in their seats yeah. because that can gauge if you got them or not. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. What other pointers have you gotten from wrestlers? And, you know, what, what particular wrestlers gave you some just different pointers as far as – you know, because you know, you like you said, you have your part in the in, in the match. You're you're always the third person in the match, and the wrestlers has you know they have their part as far as calling the match. How does that mm-hmm. work with you as a ref as far as what the uh, what the wrestlers call if they already have the match plans? I've interviewed uh, I don't know how many wrestlers I've interviewed so far, uh, but I've interviewed a, a ton of wrestlers. Um, I, is it is a matter of them already knowing uh, their 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 match, which some have told me they they either already know or call it on the fly. Which is easier for you as a ref when people know their match and they kind of let you know, or is it you know calling on the fly? How does that work for you as a ref as far as making sure that it's synchronized? Either or, but I prefer calling it on the fly because. I, I love the improvisation of, mm. of a wrestling match, uh-huh. you know, because once again, it goes back to the crowd and feeling the crowd and stuff and getting that certain reaction. But for me, you know, when I hear guys, and, and I've been a part of it, I've, guys will put point A, point B, point whatever, and it's just, okay, you know, uh, all right, well, you're putting the match here like that. Just give me the finish. Yeah. And, and that's what I'll do. And, of course, you know, I'll, I'll sit there and I'll listen to the match, because for me personally, one of the things that I started a long time ago when I first started, I, I'll actually visualize the match in my head as, as people are talking about it. Mm-hmm. And, I'll, and I'll just know in my head where I need to be, whether it be false finishes or I, I'm not seeing something or whatever. So I'll see the match in my head. It sounds stupid, but I, I really see the matches in my head. And so I know where my positioning needs to be. But more times than not, I'll go to guys and I'll go, hey, let's finish. Let's have the finish and let's rock and roll. Let's go. Hmm. So, it's, so, and again, it gets to the point of just us as spectators not knowing the importance of 
the referee spot because even if, especially if it's called on the fly, which you as a veteran prefer that just be, just because of just the the energy that comes with that. But it would seem mm-hmm. like it would seem like a rookie referee would want to know as many spots as possible to make sure that he's positioned right to 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 make the count. Because, again, it gets to the point where us as spectators don't understand how just those little subtleties of you being in the right position, because you never know. You might be on the other end of the ring, and, you know, and then someone does a match, uh, does does a big spot and, and pins them, and you're already, you know, a second and a half away from them, and that little second and a half can cause a boo from the crowd because you're not at your spot you know, immediately. So, it, it, you know, yeah. a lot of people don't understand that. Yeah, and, you know, for me, one of the things that I learned a long time ago is be there but not be there. Mm. And as a referee, you're there to enhance the match, not take away from the match. And at this point, you know, I, I see a lot of different wrestling stuff. And, of course, people tell me about it too. But I, one of the things that, that, that I've noticed too is, that, you know, a lot of referees like to get their stuff in. And they like to get noticed and stuff. Whereas me, I've, you know, this is probably my second or third interview I've ever done in my life. Mm. I'm not that guy to go out there and get all the glory because the boys are the ones who are in there working. Mm. I'm there to enhance it. I'm there to to help them enhance it and and be there, but not be there. Yeah. Yeah. And and now, you know, to me, I, I just think it's a lot different, you know, and referees aren't learning how to work. And what I mean by that is learning you know, how to work with a heel, how to work with a baby face, you know, being there for them, communicating, yeah. uh, whether it be time cues or spots or, or whatever, you know, just knowing how to work as a referee and, and not take it away from the match, enhance it, don't yeah. take it away from it. Yeah. How how would you, like, what, what advice would you give uh, a rookie referee or even a veteran that that has some cue issues with working with faces and working with heels. I, I've noticed you that you've mentioned that multiple times in, in this interview. Just really uh, raises the importance of it. What does it mean to work with a baby face and a heel as a referee? What is the distinction? Well, for example, working with a heel. Let's say a heel has a baby face in the corner, and more times than not, referees will start their counts one, two, three, four. You, you, you're killing that heel's heat because you're not giving them time uh-huh. or you're not giving the fan, the fans time enough time to absorb yeah. what he's doing. Soak that in. You yeah. know, so when you're sitting there and you're giving that count fast like that, you're not giving that heel enough time to, to, to communicate mm-hmm. with, with the, the audience, you know, one, boom, boom, boom. And come on, get back. What I like to do is I like to give guys the Iggy. I'll give them the Iggy and, get back you know then because again learning that that five count in the corner that should be like a last resort and at the same time you're working with them you're jaw jacking with the heel that gives him uh, something to, to jaw jack with you about mm-hmm. and it just shows that he's a heel yeah it draws the heat and it, yeah. It, it, yeah and it draws the heat and if he's sitting there pounding on, on the baby face and you're pulling out that count real fast you're killing the heat right there. And that's the thing that I see a lot of people make the mistakes. And I shouldn't say a lot of people, a lot of referees make the mistake of counting way too fast in the corner with a heel and not working with them. Wow. 
That is fantastic advice. Yeah, that's and again, you don't notice that as as a fan, but looking at mm-hmm. it now, it makes perfect sense to kind of give it the long longer count, and it makes sense to me as well as far as the actual count out. You know, because because we always wonder. You know, it's one of those things like, what is breaking the count? Like, when did that? When was that adopted? That doesn't even really make sense. But you know, from a referee standpoint, just just to really kind of expand the narrative of the match, you know, breaking the count, so to speak, uh, does help from a referee standpoint. I think the cadence of the counting. Uh, has a lot to do with just really seeing the ebbs and the flows and just really kind of gauging the match as the referee. Is is, is this match very intense? Is the crowd still in it? I guess that kind of elicits to you a slower 10 count. Is that, is, is, am I correct on that? Absolutely. When there's a double down, I'll go down and I'll check guys. And Kyoto taught me this trick. Mm-hmm. You know, you go down and you check on the guys because, A, they may be calling a spot or you need to communicate to somebody else mm-hmm. or – you know, they're taking their time or they're, they're, they're trying to regroup and go, okay, where are we at? Yeah. So when you're doing your counts, I like to give a beat or two in between my counts and kind of just at the same time, it's all visual, facials and stuff like that, dramatize that, oh, my God, these guys aren't going to get up. Mm-hmm. And then it, it, it starts the drama. And then here comes the count. And then there's the beat. So it gives people enough time and it gives the crowd like, oh, my God, he's going to get up, he's going to get up. That helps enhance the match. There yeah, you go. Absolutely. So, just kind of, we'll, we'll, I'll ask this as a, as a blanket question. Um, just describe your overall tenure in the WWE. Let let the viewers know. Let let the listeners know rather. Um, you know, how many years were you there? Um, you know, good good takeaways that you got from it. You were released in '09, I believe. What kind of prompted that? And and what what did you learn? I learned how to be a great referee is what I learned because I had a bunch of great teachers there. I mean, I had Arn Anderson, Dean Malenko, Ricky Steamboat, Hunter, Sean. I had Vince McMahon. I mean, I had Jim Ross. I mean, I had a lot of great teachers there. And guys like Ricky Steamboat who actually took me aside and worked with me. Although Steamboat was a, a wrestler, he knew how to work, and, and he taught me a lot. Shawn Michaels, I mean, I, I love Shawn to death. And Sean taught me how to be a great referee. Arn Anderson, you know, in car rides was riding with Arn Anderson. I would ask him specific questions, and he would tell me stuff as far as what he liked and disliked with referees. And, you know, just learning from that. Mm-hmm. The other thing, WWE, I, I lived my dream. I, I, I was able to travel the world. I was able to work with the greatest people in the world. And I got paid doing it. So I was there for three years. And it was an absolute blast. I got nothing bad to say about WWE. Although I know some people will go, hey, you know, this and that and everything. Look, I mean, if there's anything bad to say, I'm not going to tell anybody, Uh you know, because they don't need to know. That's between me and whoever. Uh But WWE was a dream come true. I know a lot of guys are striving to do that. From what I've heard, it's a lot more difficult to get there. But it was great, man. I I got to live the dream. Uh And when you get to live your dream – I mean, you, you get to do something that a lot of people don't get to do. And I'm, I've been blessed to do that. That's awesome, man. It really is. Now you, you say you were the, you say you were at WWE for three years, right? Three years. Correct. Yeah. What, how did you get that spot? I mean, you, you, you did some, some work with, with AWF. What other work did you do to lead you to a spot with the WWE? Oh man, I did a lot of independent stuff. Mm-hmm. 
I went went to Japan and I worked for Zero One with Hashimoto ah. when he was running it. So, you know, I pride myself on doing that, whereas a lot of referees, gaijins, aren't able to go over in Japan and work because they're just referees, you yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, but I was able to go do that, and I was able to work all over the country. And I would literally show up at, at WWF shows, WWE shows, and say, I'm here. And uh, I, like I said earlier, the squeaky wheel, I, I would send videos, I would send tapes, I would get people's numbers emails and I would just call them and I'm not advising people to do that today but that's the way it worked for me back then uh, but I was literally just like I said my biggest cheerleader my biggest supporter and finally uh, WWE took notice and I was able to do dark matches with them and such and then uh, at one point before they signed me they actually had me go out on the road with them and I did Smackdown and I did Raw live events and such and then ultimately they came back and they offered me a deal and I signed it, you know, without even blinking. And, uh, I was in WWE. That's awesome. So the time you were there, what was the, the, the most memorable match you, you ever refed there? Shawn Michaels Undertaker, WrestleMania 25, match of, of the year 2009. Yeah, that's, uh, that match was like I mentioned that you, that you did before, um, yeah, that match was absolutely incredible. So, yeah, <clears throat> one of one of my I've been watching wrestling thirty years, and that was over thirty years, and that that was one of my favorites of all time. Absolutely. So, let everybody know about your time with Lucha Underground and how how that experience has uh, has been, and and where can they catch it? Well, Lucha Underground has been such a joy to be a part of. I mean, we really didn't expect the following or, you know, the folks to gravitate to it like they have. To us, it's become a cult following. I, I've known Chris and Joseph for a long time, of course, working with him at WWE and such. And I remember Chris reaching out to me and talking about some show that he was going to go interview with. It was a wrestling show, and he asked me if I'd be interested in helping him out if he got the job. And at the time, you know, I, I was done with wrestling. I was over it. And he said, come on, Marty, you know, we're boys. And I go, yeah, DJ, too. All right, yeah, I'll do it. So I took it with the face, not knowing what it was. And then uh, a few months later, you know, I was I was called again, and I was told what it was and such and everything. And then I went to L.A., and I talked to people, and I signed a deal. And then, uh, you know, we started our tapings, and it, it's just been such a such a ride. You know, I, I, I keep telling my wife, Suzanne, I'm afraid that somebody's going to pinch me and say, okay, Marty, it's a dream. Wake up. You know, this, this isn't happening. It, it was all a dream. And it, we turned around never happened, you know, but uh, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. Yeah. It, it's just been such a joy to be a part of this promotion and this TV show that has just taken the world by storm. Absolutely. And you talk about your theatrics and your character. I mean, you, <laughs> there you go right there. So, absolutely. So you can catch it on the L Ray Network. Uh, any other promotion for Lucha Underground as well as your social media? Yeah, uh, L Ray Network every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Uh, Direct TV, Sling, Hulu, uh, and actually, if if you're behind on Lucha Underground, you can actually go to iTunes and you can pick up all seasons there. Uh, and as far as social medias, yeah, yeah. So we got uh, season one, season two, and after. Uh, the episodes air on those Wednesdays that following Thursday, that episode is up on iTunes. So, you know, we're, we're about nine episodes into uh, season three, so you can pick that up too. So you can catch up. 
And, uh, you know, get mesmerized by what Lucha Underground is all about. Oh, yeah, it's a, it's a great promotion. I've interviewed uh, Son of Havoc and uh, Prince Puma, and uh, both of them uh, awesome. were, were, were great Great guests. challenge. Oh, yeah. Great, yeah. Great. yeah, so as far as social media is concerned, on Twitter, Marty Elias, 1967. Uh, Facebook is Marty Elias, and on Instagram, at Marty Elias, 67. Fantastic. Marty, it's been a pleasure. Uh, you surely don't seem like you've only had three interviews in your in your uh, illustrious career, man. Yeah, very, very seasoned, very poised, and uh, I just was soaking in just the knowledge that you had uh, has uh, have still have as a referee uh, from being you know a nearly twenty year vet. Uh, well, the twenty year vet as far as just uh, uh, just the training and everything is included. So uh, it, it you know I think yeah. this I think this interview. You know, I've I don't know, I've had fifty, sixty interviews, and I think this one is going to to really touch me and the, the listeners the most, just because it really gives the opportunity for us to really break uh, and, and break just the the, the stigma when it comes to reps and really appreciate their, their position a lot more than, than they deserve. So I, I appreciate all the uh, awesome uh, wisdom wisdom you've given given us as a referee tonight, man. Thank you. It's my pleasure. You know, I, I've enjoyed this. You know, I love being a referee. It's what I wanted to do. It was something that I, I looked in the mirror one day and said, look, you know, how can I contribute to the business? Because people tend to forget that referees are fans of the business too. Yep. We love the business. We, we, we love everything about it. We want to do whatever we can to be a part of it and succeed. And, and the stigma, like I said, Oh, he's just a referee. No, we're not. We're, we're more than that. So, to my referee brothers like Charles Robinson, Jimmy Corderas, Mike Kyoto, Jack Stone, you know, Rick Knox, Justin Borden, uh, you know, all my boys, you know, I love all these guys and we're, we're, we're a big team. We're a bunch of zebras, Scott Armstrong, you know, I mean, we're, we're all zebras, man, and we, we love this business more than anybody will ever know. Awesome. Again, you can catch him at Marty Elias, M-A-R-T-Y-E-L-I-A-S, 1967, and Lucha Ground every Wednesday, 8 p.m., El Rey Network. It's been a pleasure. Marty, thanks so much for your time. Anytime. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bring what you got. The measuring stick just changed around here, buddy. You're looking at it. Four corners. Three. Our mind. Let's go. The whole squad is making it clear. We taking this year. You know who we are, but you don't know why we here. So this is where the big boys play. These big boys play like who defies the living God. Get out the big boys way. Outsiders with the swoop in. We live as kings. You see in us, but our third man waits in the wings. And when the time is right, we shock him with the proper attack. I go for dolo, but ain't solo. Cut the promo in black. Hollywood, Hendrix, Prizzle, pinning them. To the man, I'm Das Wonderkin with the strength of a hundred men. With one intent to see the will fulfilled of the one who sent his son to give himself. But you rap about your gas and your rags torture. White coffins when I drop a bomb. My mic's awesome, never lost faith. You in all space, you can all skate, suffer but never cripple. No bin walls in my cross face. From here to Saturday, Raven, anticipating. I was frostbit, now I am glacier, mixed with some Vader. Get to hawking with these animals using. 
God for my defense in Alabama. We jamming. That's beautiful. Bobby eating. Me and Priest. We the dangerous alliance. Nah, the Harlem Heat. Tie the do rag before we do battle. You're talking shit. You all what you speak. This too sweet. Till the number is took back. We repping that work pack. The foundation shaking. No mistaking. Yeah, we shook that. Trust in God we trust. Pushing forward. Never look back. Meekness ain't at all weakness. Some people mistook that. Stamping out this crook rap. He turning the power on. On the razor's edge. Leg drop after a power bomb. Tired of the lies, man. We bringing the truth through. Diligent and fruitful. The owners in our group, too. It's good to be king. Sold out this war is brutal. We playing them war games. Our army go move, too. You crew. I'm in the Raptors with a bat in my hand. And stand to shatter all your plans so they don't matter. And the grand scheme is that easy. We tag teaming. Donner Brothers, we love it. Demand the win. Establish it. This the clash of the champions. This is where the big boys play, huh? We ain't here to play. Episode 241, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Ben Cakes and Power Slam show. We are having some fun tonight. We are continuing to uh, have a live election co- uh, coverage. Um, we're starting a live election election coverage. We're going to continue that throughout the duration of the Pancakes and Power Slam show. Uh, right now, it's a neck and neck. It's, it's a very, very tight tie. Donald Trump just uh, projected to win Florida. And now, uh, he has over 200 uh, electoral votes. <clears throat> so without further ado, we have a lot to talk about. And of course, we're going to get in the headlines here in just a moment. Uh, but of course, we're going to we're going to stop uh, what we're doing at any time uh, due to any new projections. So let's bring on, without further ado, Todd Fisher. How are you tonight, sir? Oh my gosh, could this be any crazier? This election, <laughs> man. Uh, they're 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 doing the numbers now. Right now, it looks like 269 to 268 for Trump. That's what uh, it, it may all pan out. Well, it's funny is I, I I I'm watching television like a schizophrenic between CNN, Fox, and MSNBC. Uh-huh. MSNBC is they're the they're the, the funniest. They they are refusing to call any even stuff that CNN's already called for Trump. They're, they're right. too close to call, dude. 99% of Florida's in. It, you can call it. Yeah. But they still haven't called <laughs> Florida over on NBC. But Fox yeah. has called Georgia has officially called Georgia for Trump. That just happened moments ago. So yep. right now, Fox has Trump at 254, Clinton at 209. So it all uh, come down yeah. to well, uh, Clinton New just Hampshire. got Washington. So she's over 200 now, yeah. Yeah. So it's going to come down between New Hampshire or Michigan. Uh, is going to be the two to really watch. Mm-hmm. And Michigan's getting really tight. But here's the problem. Here's the problem with the with the tightening. The one county where she needs to make up just isn't. It's almost done. There, it's almost completed there. So there, you know, that's the that's uh, Wade County and the one right above it, uh, where Detroit and Flint is. They're uh-huh. at uh, they're at I think eighty seven percent reported. And. He's got enough. He's got a wide enough margin. She's just not going to be able to make up the difference in Michigan. Uh, right, yeah, they haven't. It doesn't look that way. Yeah, they haven't called. Uh, they haven't called that one yet. Uh, right now, it's uh, it's still it's still tight. 
Um, looks like she she's up in Maine. Um, but yeah, right now right now it's Trump's up seven points, two sixteen to two two oh nine. So um per CNN. Wow. Yeah, yeah, per CNN. CNN hasn't called Which, Georgia CNN hasn't called Georgia and they haven't called Utah or Nevada yet. Uh, and, well, I, well. To, in, in all fairness, I, I think it's. I think it's. I think out of all of them, CNN is probably the most neutral between MSNBC and, and Fox News, because as you're saying, which which makes it. There's which a reason makes why perfect, they call it Clinton News Network. Well, no, that that's not a reason. Well, that's the reason why you call them the Clinton the, the Clinton News Network. <laughs> and like I said, if 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 out of the three uh, projections projections that we have as far as the accuracy um with with states are concerned um i do have to give a, a major kudos to john king as i mean I, i've been following cnn as far as election coverage for um for for a few elections now and i i usually don't pay attention to to fox news or to uh, to msnbc because they're ready uh, you know as as much as M- MSNBC is not <clears throat> ready to call a state, uh, Fox Sports, um, you know, they, they 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 call a state, you know, at, at a drop of a hat. So, uh, yeah, Fox News, um, they they call a state at a drop of a hat. So, um, but yeah, it's it's a tight race. <clears throat> uh, it, it's it, it's a very nail biting race, and uh, you know, definitely kudos to the Trump. Uh, uh, campaign to 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 resurge the past few days. I think that they've, I think that Trump has shown that, you know, his um, his his kind of last minute uh, resurgence has, has helped substantially uh, with the same day voters. Uh, if this was an early voting contest, uh, Clinton would knock it out the park based on the numbers that came in from Florida. But uh, the same day voters really pulled out for Trump. Well, I, and I think I think this goes a lot to what I have said the past couple of weeks, and some things that you poo-pooed on my um, what I said that they were, you know, the the polls showing that Clinton was just so far ahead and, and it's completely unwinnable by Trump. I mean, there's a little bit of it uh, that goes to the uh, to uh, Comey coming out and starting that restarting the uh, investigation. I'm sure some of that goes to that, but a lot of it goes to, I think, they really oversampled their polls uh, towards disheartened. I don't know if it was to intentionally dishearten the Republicans, but they oversampled, and they showed that, oh, yeah, Hillary's got this in the bag. So it's either dishearten, you know, to dishearten the uh, the Republicans, or it gave Clintonites an overconfidence where they're like, eh, we don't need to come out. It's, nah, no big deal. She's got it. And they're paying for it right now. Well, that was after the excess Hollywood tapes, and even you know some <clears throat> Clinton surrogates when it went up to like a nine, eleven point jump. Um, they weren't very confident in that um, <clears throat> because they, they felt like that was a very skewed number. Now, when it came to three points, it's been three points over the past week or so. That's when both of the campaigns. You know they they upped their ground game as far as going to North Carolina and Michigan. Obama going to Ann Arbor, and I think because 
the CNN poll had it within three points, and that's within that's usually within a margin of error when it comes to polls. And so the yeah. fact that it's neck and neck, the, the fact that it's neck and neck now is no surprise to me because of that margin of error factor. So basically, it was a tie, and right now, um, you know, uh, uh, Trump is up by about seven uh, electoral votes as of as of now. So yeah, it's uh, <clears throat> very interesting, and it seems like New Hampshire actually may be. Who would who would have thought that New Hampshire would have so much power tonight? Who? Well, New Hampshire always has always done its own thing. It's always gone its own way. It's not a definitive. It's a it's an anomaly in the uh, New England area, where yeah. you know traditionally New England goes Democrat. I mean, it's just that's just the way it is. But New Hampshire has always been the one that goes that can go swings, yeah, Republican. It's like a pendulum. It, it's very much. Yeah, it's very much you know, you know, screw you guys. I'm going yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So yeah, of course, like I said, uh, it's up to the minute coverage here of the Pancakes of Power Slam show on episode two hundred forty one. Um yeah, so of course, like I said, we're gonna go we're gonna follow our format as much as possible tonight. Uh but you know, at, at any moment we can uh we can stop and uh, and make a projection. We uh, we we really appreciate. First of all, we really appreciate everyone who uh, there is another projection. I think they're about to call Georgia. Yep. So uh, so CNN went ahead and called Georgia. Um, and so that brings uh, that's 16 more votes. That brings his lead up uh, to 25. Um, it's getting closer. He's at 232 now to 209. Um, so it looks like 232 and then was, uh, and then, uh, Michigan is still, uh, still not called yet. So 232, he's, uh, he's, he's inching away, man. It's, uh, but there's still a bunch of uh, states. There's still a bunch of states that are not called yet. If they call Michigan or New Hampshire for him, it's done. If he gets either of those. Yeah, I think the, the, her likely so. her likely states aren't enough, and and let me mm-hmm. just say this real quick to to everyone that's listening, regardless of who you voted for, uh, or regardless who you supported or who you're hoping to win tonight, do us all a favor because this is something I I vowed this morning that I was going to do you know tomorrow. When you get on social media, don't be that person that's floating. Yeah, and don't be that person that's whiny, either. If if your if your particular chosen candidate lost, you know I I'm a huge anti-Hillary fan, but you know what? I would have given her the benefit of the doubt at first. I would have given her yep. the, the chance. I'd like to think. I'm hoping I don't have yep. to do that, but <laughs> I would give her the chance and, and congratulate the other side. No, your candidate won. Good for you. Mm-hmm. Although I, I I am looking forward to tweeting directly to Amy Schumer and a few other celebrities that vowed to go to Canada if Trump wins, um, mm-hmm. and you know start a go fund me to help pay for the tickets. But so be be, uh, be nice to one another, quick, love one another. Quick. I totally agree with that. Real quick, uh, uh, Clinton's uh, inching in in Michigan as of now. Um, yeah. 
looks like looks like Wisconsin. Yeah, it looks like Wisconsin's probably going to be called any moment now. But uh, looks yeah. like looks like Clinton may. Looks like maybe that's uh, maybe that's uh, maybe those Detroit numbers are coming in, um, which uh, it's only she's only forty a little under forty one thousand under. Uh, so, so yeah, you know, there's some may swing, swing over to her away based on this, uh, resurgence, um, that she's closing in. So that might be, hey, yeah, this is, this is fun times, man. Fun, fun times. And I, and I totally agree with you because, um, I, I made a, I made a, a Facebook, uh, live after I left the voting booth and, um, uh, you know, I am I am without shame to tell you one of my uh, my deep uh, Christian uh, roots. Uh, well, my my deep Christian devotion, and uh, I just I just didn't I just couldn't rest in my in my spirit. I just couldn't rest in my laurels that uh, that either either candidate is worthy of my vote. So I, I voted for Jesus, not for a cliche uh, standpoint, but the fact that. Um, I um, am putting <laughs> putting that in God's hands as far as who's the next president, and I'm going to pray for the president, whoever he or she is. That that was that was the reason why I did not. I voted for Jesus because that's who I'm going to rest my laurels on as far as he. That's who I'm going to rest my laurels on as far as who's the next president, whether it's Donald Trump, whether it's Hillary Clinton. Um, it's for me to pray for either one of them and uh and take it as that so um i i, I left I, I left i left a uh i left the voting booth with an incredibly clear conscience because i realized after i voted um and i and i prayed uh, that the burden is not mine to uh be so caught up in who won but the fact that i did vote is is what i'm happy about and i was happy that um you know, I voted for local issues. Those were very important to uh, to me. I think we have some good some good issues, some some very good issues as far as where our tax money is going to go. Whether you agree or disagree, I think that they are some very good issues to 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 raise up as far as uh, local is concerned. As far as and as far as Ohio is is, is concerned as well for uh, for the um, position uh, from a office standpoint statewide. So. I, I voted, and I think it was important for me to do so. And um, I, I can rest, like I said, I can rest in my laurels that it is my job to pray for whoever's in office um, and understand that this is a knockdown, drag out, dogfight, as we clearly see <laughs> from tonight. And that's uh, this is uh, this is a very, very uh, ferocious match we're, we're seeing tonight. The Hell in a Cell match for the president. <laughs> yeah, with color. It's 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 the one. It, it was it's the gory one, <laughs> not not the, not the PG one. Yeah. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get into headlines. Here we go. Former. WCW World Heavyweight Champion Vader. Uh, car flips around uh, involved in a near fatal car accident. Definitely, I uh, saw the pictures. I, I posted the picture of the car on, on the Crave Wrestling Facebook page. And I also um, 
I saw the pictures that he posted as far as just the, you know, the bruises on his face. Thank God that he's still alive and we can see more Vader bombs. I, I don't even want to imagine a world without Vader. <laughs> he was the one who put, uh, I mean, you know, um, they got a key race alert here. Um, yeah, looks like uh, Michigan's tightening up. Uh, it's went down about 9,000 votes uh, with uh, a little over 60 out. So it went down 9,000. Uh, Wisconsin still favoring Trump by almost 90,000 votes. Um, for all of those who are listening, you're probably looking at some type of political, but uh, we're uh, it's still tight in Arizona, 61%, lower 57,000 for, for Donald Trump. Um, and then New Hampshire is still tight, well, only a little under 11,000 up by Trump with uh, about 70, uh, 70% out. Now, those are, as a, as a journalist, I have to source, and those are numbers uh, according to CNN. Uh, uh, Trump, of course, uh, we, we figured – just about everybody figured he was going to win Iowa, although Clinton had an early lead. Uh, Pennsylvania is getting closer. Um, Clinton's up 40,000, 85% of the vote in. Um, so the smaller counties, and then it uh, looks like um, based on the numbers that are in, Hillary Clinton may be uh, projected to, to win Nevada. So, uh and then Evan McMillan, the Mormon uh, independent from Utah, basically has he he has basically uh, caused Hillary Clinton Utah uh, to a degree as far as at least the tightness of it. <laughs> he stole that from Hillary Clinton. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Evan McMillan um, has has ruined uh, a, <laughs> a state for Hillary Clinton, just like uh, I believe. Evan, help me. <laughs> I, 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 but I hate, I don't hate much, but I hate Hillary Clinton. What I wouldn't give to be a fly in the room to watch, just to see her as they told her <laughs> that Utah, she's called, you, she's been called Utah because of this Mormon guy who's a complete yeah. independent. <laughs> if she hasn't had, if she hasn't had strokes before, she's having one now. Yeah, she's probably literally cussing out Evan McMillan right now. Uh, because she needs obviously from from tonight's closeness, she needs every single state uh, imaginable, and uh, Evan McMillan just basically uh, uh, yanked Utah uh, from her. So <laughs> I find it I find it hilarious. I mean, he said <laughs> I, I, I've, I've looked at uh, some some articles on on McMillan, and I've uh, I've looked at some interviews and. You know, he said basically he finds both of them to be unfit. So he purposely went into Utah as an independent to play spoiler. So I find that fascinating. And the only person he's spoiling is Larry Clinton. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> Trump's going to win the Utah uh, <laughs> and, and Evan and Mellon. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, that's quite interesting. All right. So um, Robbie E and Kurt Angle uh, and their wives, of course, they welcome children. Uh, Kurt Angle uh, welcomes his fifth child, 
his family's uh, fourth child with his wife Giovanni. Um, uh, with family's third child and his fifth child, <clears throat> Robbie E. Uh, welcomes uh, and his wife. Tara uh, welcomes a set of twins. Uh, I had Robbie on my show a few months ago, and he was saying how his wife was pregnant and they were expecting. Uh, and congratulations to the uh, E children and the Angles. Congratulations. Absolutely. Uh, Scott Hall was apparently missing. He is believed to be missing after no showing at Indy event. Uh, Diamond Dallas Page said he believes is okay, but his son Cody doesn't know where he is, according to Twitter. Uh, for on, on both accounts, I, I, rep- I reported this actually on Sports Kita. Uh, what's going on with uh, Scott Hall, man? It seems like uh, this may be a relapse. You know, people don't want to look too much into it, but we haven't had much updates as, uh, other than, you know. He no-showed the event. He actually has another indie event scheduled for the 19th next weekend. So um, here's hoping that uh, he show up for that indie event. It's actually an indie event um, um, promoted by Global Force, Global Force Wrestling. So, I mean, it's it's sad. I, I, watched, uh, I watched Scott Hall's uh, DVD, and, um, you know, it just really seems like he was – on a very, very, very good track, and un- unfortunately, you know, uh, he he. And again, we can't uh, we can't say too much as far as what happened. There, there's nothing in stone as far as what has happened. Uh, but you know, there was an incident uh, a few weeks ago when he was at an airport drunk. Uh, there was an incident uh, earlier this year. I believe late last year, somewhere around that, where he was drunk at an indie show. So, you know, he's allowing his demons to get back to him. And he's getting so much good, so many good opportunities with uh, coaching, you know, helping out with coaching in NXT. They didn't sign him in the per- – they didn't give him a permanent spot yet, but he has been coming up and coaching the kids in NXT. And it seems like there are some really good things going for him, man, but he can't shake them off, it, it appears. Well, and, and here's the thing: as as a child of parents who were were both addicts, and as someone who has struggled with addictions in my own personal life, um, we have to be careful not to you know condemn him or whatnot, and just make sure that he gets the he gets the support and love to get back on the on the path and get back on you know where he needs to be, get back to healing. Yeah, let's let's hope so because uh, it, it really seems like there's a lot of good things in store for Scott Hall when he's clean. So, you know, he just, you know, my my philosophy is if you think you can do it yourself, you'll fail every time. So, let's hope let's hope that uh, he can't. Uh, let's let's hope that he feels that uh, he he really needs help from a from a divine perspective. So, uh, Billy Corton. Corrigan stated uh, the TNA lied about him giving money and time. Uh, there were some deadlines that they had to pay him. Uh, otherwise, he was going to uh, turn his loan uh, into stock. Thirty uh, percent uh, share, thirty-six share, percent, I believe, uh, share of the company. As of now, they haven't uh, paid him back. 
and that was last week. Uh, Anthem, um, uh, a parent company of uh, the Fight Network, uh, is now running things as far as uh, giving them money, being basically their bank account, and uh, taking over from an executive standpoint as well. I think this is the first time uh, since her being in charge that she has a minority share of the company. She's still doing some, you know, she's still kind of leading the pack from an executive standpoint regarding the talent is concerned, but from uh, an overarching standpoint, uh, she's she's on on the bottom. I mean, she's she's going lower on the totem pole, doesn't have majority stock. Uh, so it just, it seems like she's doing her best to try to keep the company afloat. But as we saw by the tweet from Mike Bennett a couple of weeks ago, uh, the the talent uh, the morale is isn't very high in TNA uh, based on the direction in, the, in their future. Not to mention, you know, broken you know broken mats not broken so much anymore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, spoiler. Would, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Would you use uh, Would you use Matt Hardy uh, in and would you Would you bring him in WWE um, if you were a talent relations um, executive, would you bring him in as that character? Or, you know, here, here's the problem with that, I, I guess, while I'm asking this question, that would technically be gimmick infringement. So bro- Broken Mart, unless it's his creation, unless he made it, but from what we know, Corgan had a lot to do with that. Um, so I guess he can't really legally bring it in at all unless it's 100% his character. And, and that might be part of what's going on right now with him you know, he taking the, the, the bump where he lost his memory of being broken and he, yeah. he's owning it again like he did with the broken part and so he can go and, and move on to maybe go back to WWE or, or ROH or something as Matt Hardy and then you know, sure, he's just a broken thing again, but just doesn't call himself broken. Sort of like yeah. Brother Ray and Brother Devon. You know? And it's sad, too. It's very, very sad because this was by far one of the best, if not the best, moments in Matt Hardy's history. It's it's amazing how he could just totally grab a, a gimmick and just make it his own and take it way over because I'm sure you and I could both say, and as far as, and, and, and as well as a whole lot of other people could say that we were very critical of this broken Matt Hardy character for me, not, ne- not necessarily because of the character, but because it was a character in TNA and TNA is just uh damaged goods to me. I don't think it would have go too far in the company, but it transcended the company. I mean, there was, there were reports that people were actually uh, th- there were people um, who who was watching it um, from the WWE, um, kind of behind the cameras because they were uh, competing uh, in the same uh, area around the time of the the uh, final deletion match. So, you know, it, it was way over, but we knew that there was Corbin's character. So that's the issue. You know, that's that's when. We, Apparently, like you said, it doesn't seem like we're going to get Broken Matt Hardy anymore, which was one of the best things going in TNA. And then, of course, you know, Decay uh, was another thing. 
there's some, you know, there's been reports that theme songs that were really cool uh, are being dubbed out now um, because of it's Corbin's, uh, they're Corbin's songs, the Corbin made the songs. So, along with Broken Matt Hardy, which is the best thing you got going TNA, Decay, which is up there, and the theme songs, I mean, what, what makes it not another generic show? It really isn't. It's just another generic wrestling show. Yeah. I mean, yeah, which is sad. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and here's the thing. You know, you and I both absolutely love ROH. Uh, and, you know, I, I have made no no secret to my love of ROH. For a while there, Trump I, just I jumped saw in TNA Pennsylvania, and, by the way. What's that? Trump just jumped in Pennsylvania, by the way. Yeah, I saw, I saw that he went up a little bit. They still haven't called it for him yet, but no, that's not insane. Yet. Still ten percent. There's still ten percent left. That, that's insane though, because she had Pennsylvania on a lock. He might Those pull same off the pass. Yeah, there's still one county that's yet to be uh, counted yet, though, and counted. it's uh, it's a Democratic uh, county, so he's only up. Yeah. Uh, about uh, eight thousand. So yeah, uh, yeah. So very. Yeah, you're right. It's insane. Regardless, first of all, the very fact that uh, Pennsylvania is this close is 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 you know. Oh, okay. There's yeah. there's still a quarter of one other big uh, blue county. There's still seventy five percent of another big blue county that uh, that hasn't been counted yet. So. Uh, we got one more projection in Iowa. Yeah, I know they called Iowa. Yeah, Iowa. Yeah, figured that he 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 called. I mean, yeah, figured he went Iowa. Um, but yeah, you were you were talking about the TNA. Uh, but it was for a while there. I always saw, always when I ranked them, uh, you know, as far as production value, storytelling, the whole nine, you know, it was always WWE. And then TNA and then the young upstart Lucha Underground always back and forth a little bit. With ROH being a pure wrestling show, not a lot of storyline. But now ROH is, has definitely jumped TNA to where they're telling you know more complex stories with their matches. Especially with the introduction, you know, with Bullet Club coming in last year. And now they're starting to really introduce uh, some of the other factions that are big in uh, New Japan and in down in uh, uh, Mexico with yeah. the uh, Los Ignobles and mm. Chaos. I mean, I always heard about Chaos, but never quite understood okay, what is Chaos, who is Chaos. I didn't bail Bullet Club is. And it was always you know, these foreigners that were coming into Japan. That's where the Bullet Club came from, kind of like NWO type of stuff. But now they're starting to really expand upon that, expound upon that. And getting some names that people here in the United States may never have heard of uh, before now. Like like evil, yeah. Yeah, and well, now Will Ospreay is uh, is going to be showing up in our week too. So that's going to be awesome. Yep. And then we got Cody. We got Cody Cody coming up at a final battle. Yep. So. Yeah, it's uh, ROH has always been a stable company, man. I mean, they re- they really have for 14 years. They've been in existence as long as ROH. Same year, actually, uh, 2002, and uh, 
yeah, I mean, it's 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 very very interesting stuff, and uh, um, it it just really goes to show um, if you stay in your lane, you know, and you know your niche, that's basically where it goes. Um, so, and then in a, you know, if not, you know, you you don't. So they actually started about three weeks earlier than TNA. So. Um, they, they're actually an older company, technically, uh, but uh, they they're pretty stable. Yes, they are. Yeah. All right, and finally, we got uh, Brock Lesnar admitting that he did not care about the, his WrestleMania match. I wrote this on Sportskeeda. We saw this on the video package on Raw. Um, this is very interesting to me because it basically it basically states the inevitable. To me, it was it, it, it was just it was already a glaring observation. You could already tell that. But I mean, both Goldberg and Lesnar didn't really care about WrestleMania 20 because it was both their last match. But you know, for 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 Lesnar to basically admit that, um, I find it fascinating, just because it was something that we already knew. But at the same time, you know, the, them say that. The very fact that they let him say that which is, is 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 pretty pretty funny to me. <laughs> well, and I'm still at the point where I just don't care about that match. I, I'm just really the more just, yeah. The more I think about it, they have painted, they have booked themselves into a corner. I mean, okay, do you have Lesnar go over Goldberg? And Goldberg's probably. Everyone, I think everyone at this point agrees that Goldberg's probably a lock to the Hall of Fame this year. So, do you do you put you know do you put Goldberg down and squash him uh, you know while promoting the video game and then set him up for the Hall of Fame? We can't really do that because that you know takes away that revenue stream. But you can't have him beat Lesnar either, who you've just built to the point where. Who can beat Lesnar at this point? I mean, at this point, who who could possibly beat Lesnar by the way they booked him? They've booked him too big. And anyone who beats him is going to be – I can't I can't even imagine the monster that they would have to get to to even be a credible fight for Lesnar at this point. Yeah. Ron Strowman, maybe? I don't know. Size-wise, I, but still, definitely not. I don't think you'd see, and that's that's the issue that I have just with wrestling. Period. You know, you know, he's got a match coming up with Rusev in Mexico. You know, they're both are two strong heels, and they're being booked as two strong heels. Why would they just throw a match between Lesnar and Rusev together with two heels in Mexico? It just it doesn't make any sense to me. I just can't. I cannot stand. You know, just the creative team feeling. By the way, Gary Johnson is uh, yanking Michigan away from from Hillary Clinton. He's got a little over three percent of the vote, and uh, and, and uh, Clinton's down a half percent now. So, um, <laughs> kudos to Gary Johnson for yanking away um, Michigan for. Uh, well, it's it's no, it's not over. There's still ten percent left, and and Clinton's actually closing the gap. But at the same time, you know, Gary Johnson has over three per, three percent of the vote. So of course that is a. I mean, talk about your spoiler. That's a, even a bigger spoiler than uh, Evan Millen. 
Well, the two sad thing to me on that one is, is once Trump, once it became clear Trump was going to become the Republican nominee, I really started looking at the Libertarian Party because I, you know, I, I didn't want to vote for Trump. But then they put up Gary Johnson, who in fact is the uh, least libertarian that has ever libertarian. <laughs> he, he he resembles nothing of what you would expect a libertarian to be. Yeah, he doesn't. He's, he's, he's yeah, he, he, he's more he Democrat than he is libertarian. Li- exactly. I was just about to say that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's very I, very I, much. I so. wanted to be able to. And you know what? If he would have, if he would have been a strong libertarian, a true libertarian, what you think of as a libertarian, uh, that's the that's where my vote probably would have gone. Mm-hmm. I would have been part of that one percent. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you got this. You've got the spoilers, man. And uh, like I said, Evan McMillan for Utah, and definitely uh, Gary Johnson for Michigan. If uh, Trump keeps that half percent in in, uh, in Michigan, uh, which it seems like Clinton may edge him uh, based on the, the trend that's going on right now, and they may split Wisconsin and Michigan. But uh, you know, if they was if they split Wisconsin and Michigan, uh, it looks like they'll probably split Arizona and Nevada as well. Uh, man, Colorado, I think they called that for Clinton already. Yeah, they called that for Clinton uh, a while back. Well, yeah. here's the other really important thing that's coming tonight, too, that, that we haven't talked about at all, is right now, as it stands right now, can hold on to the House and the Senate. Yes, that's what I'm – actually, I'm pretty happy about that. Yeah. Um, Rubio uh, did a fantastic job in, in uh, um, Florida. Paul Ryan – And our own he... Rob Portman did really well. Rob Portman uh, did very well in Ohio. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, like, like I said, Paul Ryan uh, won a seat. So yeah, it's uh, you know that's that's good. <laughs> that, that's good. So uh, if that would that would be upsetting for the actual. Uh, I think Hillary jumped up. Okay, so so Clint, so Trump is about twenty it was he was about forty up twenty three forty thousand heads up so now he's twenty three thousand seventy eight percent with Wisconsin a little over ninety and then I'll probably be projected for his I'll probably call that any moment now uh sixty three percent a little under sixty thousand Arizona's still close uh, actually it went less um Less in favor of Clinton, so it may be a bash of voters there. Neck and neck in New Hampshire, 5,100 votes with 77% up now. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, it just went lesser for – Clinton just got a little bit more votes. So It's funny. Earlier tonight when you sent me the show notes of when – show notes of what we want to go down by, you're like, oh – you know, by midnight, the the race should be called. We should have have an idea of who's going to be president. No, we don't. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it's. Uh, but yeah, this is to me. It's fun. This is this is fun stuff. This is uh, incredibly fun stuff. Uh, Trump, uh, he jumped ahead in, in Pennsylvania, but he's losing voters. He's, he's losing the the head. Uh, the uh, he's using, losing the advantage in Pennsylvania. Uh, looks like Clinton may get Nevada. So Clinton should get Nevada, uh, yeah. And he's gonna pick up Utah and Arizona. Oh yeah, 
Certainly, certainly, yeah. Uh, looks like Minnesota's Clinton's way. So, yeah, I mean, it looks like New Hampshire, as of now, looks like New Hampshire is indeed going to be the deciding. Uh, the deciding uh, state, because um, right now, like they said, based on all the projections, looks like it's going to be 268 to 269. And then with um, with New Hampshire going, and basically it's neck and neck in New Hampshire, uh, that will be the, looks like that's going to be the deciding state, man. And I think it's so close, it's going to go into automatic recount. We may oh, yeah, not, yeah, in yeah. fact, know tonight. Yeah, it looks like, looks like based on New Hampshire's numbers, it looks like we'll probably know sometime uh, in the morning uh, or afternoon. So, wow, what an election! This is the uh, first time we've covered the election. Uh, this is your last week with us. What a way to end out. Uh, your time with a bang. Uh, before we get to the flavor of the week, Todd, I do want to thank you as my friend, as my colleague. Uh, that's uh, I, I've had a great few weeks with you here on the show, man, covering politics. Uh, a, a great addition to the Pancakes and Power Slam show by someone who I know who is as avid in politics as I am. And uh, this this live coverage is fantastic. And because uh, four four years ago, um. Four years ago, actually, the Pancakes and Power Slam show was around. Um, so I didn't I didn't cover any any politics uh, on my on the previous election, 2012. We were we were about uh, seven months old. Um, but yeah, since I have some time, since I'm able to uh, expand my show and uh, and you know get some good advertising and things like that with my show. I think uh, adding the political piece was fantastic. And, uh, I, you know, do, uh, doing it with you as a co-host was a pleasure. Well, and I've had nothing but fun doing it. And, and it's really made me step up my game to make sure I'm looking at everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. And not yeah. just looking at one side or the other, not just, you know, and staying out of that echo chamber, and it's it's something I've tried to warn all of my friends. You know, both liberal and and conservative, stay mm-hmm. out of the echo chamber. Don't listen to just you know stuff that reinforces the ideas that you have. Look at it all. Very Look true. at all of it. You yeah. know, so you can get a better view of it. Because you step back, yeah. take a you know, take a better view of it. You know, it's not quite what you think it is, ever. Yeah. I agree, oh. especially with politics, um, because it's uh, you know. And here's the thing: I'm I'm an apologist. I'm I'm, and we we've had this apologist conversation. Interestingly, uh, I'm I'm a I'm an apologist for my faith. So basically, as an apologist, uh, I study other faiths. Uh, a lot, I, I I can I can confidently say. Um, sitting at my my booth uh, that I know a lot about other faiths even more than some people who confess them. Um, Even, you know, I've had conversations with other faiths and say, you know, but what about this? What about that? And and they didn't even know what I was talking about. Uh, So with that being said, it's important to, you know, in order to strengthen or even question, you know, what you believe in, uh, I think that it's important to uh, look at all 
angles of it, and you know it strengthens it uh, to to look on the other side. And for one, it confirms that you know why you reject other options, and two, it gives you more uh, of a passion for what you believe in. So uh, on a on a on an objective scale, you know that that deals with religion, but when it comes to politics, it's the, it's basically the same template. Absolutely. Agree with you 100%. Indeed. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get to the flavor of the week. It is now time for the flavor of the week. All right, ladies and gentlemen, as we get to this very incredibly neck-to-neck um, presidential election, which I surely will probably be watching for at least the next two hours. Um, <laughs> uh, let, let's talk about uh, some some something patriotic. I, I chose to use Kurt Angle as the patriotic uh, figure uh, for the pa- for the flavor of the week this week. Um, you know, because he is uh, one of the most patriotic figures. We had a top five of that. We both. Agreed that Kurt Angle is up there as one of the top. So the question on the table for you, Todd, and for me to discuss as well, we got about five minutes left here in the show. Will Kurt Angle return to WrestleMania 23? Will it be a uh, a segment? Will it be a you know a general manager, commissioner, or something like that role? Will it be a match? If it's a match, who is it? Or is it just wistful thinking that to believe that Kurt Angle will return? You know, I personally, I love Kurt Angle. I love what he did in WWE. I'm not so much a fan of his TNA days, mm-hmm. um, but whatever. Um, I would love to see him come in and be like a, a manager type of role where, mm-hmm. you know, he can still go, if, you know, push him to shove. He can still take that. Some of those light bumps that a manager takes and be very effective at it, or even, you know, cheat the win kind of thing and start the, you know, have him start the, the new age varsity club with like, mm-hmm. with, you know, some, quali- you know, full on shooters like the American Alphas, Shelton Benjamin, you know, bring, bring those, bring them, bring him back. Cause I, I believe he's on path to recovery from surgery. Uh, on his shoulders, you know, and and start that whole with angle, and have him lead a team uh, of those kind of you know wrestlers of that caliber of that style, instead of seeing him come back in a uh, prominent in ring role. Uh, I just think his I, I, one thing I'm kind of tired of is is guys who are clearly past their prime days are behind them, uh, like Goldberg. And I'm sorry, this, I know this is going to bother you, but like Sting, I love seeing Sting in a, in a WWE ring. Let's face it, his best days were 10 years ago or more. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I'd much rather see uh, Angle come in because he's got the chops to do, to do the stuff on the mic and to just be that character. He doesn't have to tell his story in the ring anymore because he does have that ability. Uh and not to mention, come on, how much fun would it be to, to go back to the chanting, you suck, you suck, I don't suck. I miss those. I, I, I miss think that. those days, I think, I think those days um, are 
are gone, are, are, are long gone, long gone. Uh, Hillary Clinton just jumped up in New Hampshire. Uh, looks like, yeah, she was trending. She was trending a lead. It's only 18 votes, but uh, wow, man, what an election, Todd <laughs> Fisher. <laughs> the the uh, the swing state, the, the, the state vote. It's 18, man. Uh, yeah, this is this is insane. That those those 18 votes may be what what decides the election. <laughs> oh man, this is uh, everyone I mean, run and hide now. The purge starts in a few hours. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is and let me tell you something, Todd, and all the listeners as well, man. You know, I I got really excited about this day. I. I Paste, I uh, placed this on my Facebook, and I'm going to say this real quick. I apologize for everyone who listens to the show for Raw and SmackDown reviews. Uh, matter of fact, Wait, give me Smackdown 10 seconds on? of what you thought. Yeah, right. Give me 10 seconds of what you thought of Raw and SmackDown just so we can cover that. Uh, Raw was okay. Um, I haven't even watched SmackDown yet. It's on my DVR. I've been watching election yeah. stuff all night. I'm not even going to lie. Yeah, I don't blame you. I've been switching back and forth. I've been covering. I've been covering it live on my Facebook page. Um, but yeah, I, I, I did manage to watch SmackDown. I fast forward a chunk of it, to be honest with you. Um, they want to protect Alexa Bliss. Uh, Raw was decent. I, I, I had my Raw review already. Um, and then, as far as SmackDown is concerned, I'm, I wonder why they decided to take Corbin out and put Shane in. I think maybe the star power. Maybe that was not real received backstage. We'll, we'll find that out. Uh, as far as Kurt Angle, I think that um, we'll get Kurt Angle uh, back. I'm not sure about WrestleMania 23, but I'm sure he'll be back. If, if WrestleMania 23, I would love to see Angle versus Rusev uh, or Angle versus Wyatt. So, um, and like I said before, we've, we've got about 30 seconds here. You know, I, I, I was appalled at the two uh, candidates that we had as president. Uh, very much so. Um, but I, I'll, I'll put on my Facebook as a political journalist, journalist I am absolutely pumped. And numbers like this, I, I'm not happy with either candidate, but as a political journalist, I, I absolutely love this. Uh, uh, Clinton's trending up in, in New Hampshire with 99, about 100 votes up. So, all right. So, uh, Todd, it's been a pleasure. Um, uh, you know, this isn't the last time you'll be on the show. And uh, you know it's been it's been a great uh, what month uh, month or so month and a half with you and uh, uh, looking forward to 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 having you on the show again man it's been it's been greatly a pleasure. It's been a blast and and keep posting on my on my uh, on my Twitter feed and which is at Bike Todd. Uh, check out the, the my podcast's uh, Facebook page. We have some interesting developments coming soon. We're currently taking a small uh, creative hiatus as we retool and, and rethink some things. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, and looks like Donald Trump is trending back up in Michigan now. Yep. <laughs> you can find us right, Off the Ropes uh, Podcast. Indeed. God bless you all and have a good night. Bye-bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.